Dictinus, grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. Organizing gods is like herding cats into straight lines. They don't naturally take to it. Welcome to Deep Dive 5, the 206th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of Neil Gaiman. You may call me Ode. <laughs> Mary Meat. You may call me Gwyn. I'm Ode's mother, and it has been an interesting <laughs> attempt to get this thing started. And uh-huh. I think it's because we're talking about gods and goddesses. Uh-huh. Yep. And I think it's because Ugh. we found our Dictinus oil. Uh-huh. And so we're... we're and so we got the Dictinus oil We got the Dictinus vibes. And, and we did... A, and it's been a while mm-hmm. since we've actually hailed him in. Mm-hmm. And I think he was like, y'all, I'm coming in. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a good time. Hard and fast and fun. Hard and fast <laughs> and fun. Oh, my God. Good time. So for Giggly today, well, that's yeah, why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's the first week of November. It is. So housekeeping's got to start with reading all the names of the patrons. Oh, God. <laughs> Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So, y'all sit back, mm-hmm. relax, take a breath. First of all, thank you to our kittens, our nameless kittens. We love you, kittens. Second, thank you to our cats. We have 26 cats, and their names are Renjamin, Tiffany Kozash, Willow Green, Ebby, Nikki Norcross, Ashley Harkins, Amber Stark, Kelly Burt, Erin Kathleen, Nova Misko, Annabelle Lee, Rose Shepard, Candy Russell, Chris Mickelson, The Dryad, JD, Claire K.R. Miller, Christine Phillips, Melkor, Squiggy, Elisa Durka, Kelly Burt again, Coney Briggs, Shokora, Rebecca Hillman, and Cindy Barrick. And we love our cats. We do. And Kelly Burt, I'm going to just double check your emails here. Yeah, you're in here under two completely different emails. So Kelly Burt, we've said this before. If you don't mean to be a cat twice. Twice. And if you're actually one person instead and, of two separate Kelly Burts. And you want to be a hunter. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe you need to check on that. Maybe figure that out. <laughs> there are 57 hunters. Thank you, hunters. Their names are Tom Warfell, Brandon Adair, CJ Kaufman, Hexaluna, Mary Rose, Mike Stanley, Misa Sky, Asipiter, Ivy Rose, Michaela, Cameron Grant, Ashley Ann, Maharet, Talia Franks, Justin Harrell, Starlight Lokison, Hells Tally, Druida Cart, Daughter of Oak, Mach 2556, Alicia Noble, Precious Fire, Sophia Duncan, Roanoke the Wiccan Wizard, Samwise the Blonde, Kitty Catastrophe, Charlene Hughes, Goddess Incognito, Rolfer, La Petite Poisson, Loriana Lee Knapp, Saga, Melissa Gerben, Maddie Kunes, Megan Kipper, Corvus Felliday, Kai Oakenshield, Ryan Hopkins, Teresa Tomlin, Rochella and Dasvid, David Dashifan Keys, Zimina Kokoro, Amy Martin, Sky Bierce, Sarenth Odinson, Ushi Ursa, Victoria Selnes, Finn, Alyssa Addy, Ray Lathrop, Quinn Ann ASMR, Dahlia Darge, Jace Helmer, Jessica Jones, Lorelei, Charles Howison, and Stevie Thompson. We love our hunters. Yes, we do. Thank you to our hunters. Yes. Of which there are so very, very many. That's right. We have 10 leopards. Thank you, leopards. Their names are Jody Cozy, Luna, Swan Fairywater, Kimberly Squeaky Reynolds, Alex Robinson, Eleanor Faithful, Chris Colibri, Jim Two Snakes, Gemma Atkinson, and Gary Bearstorm. We love our leopards. We do. Thank you, leopards. We have five tigers, and their names are Around Grandfather Fire, Weavers of the Web ATC, Kelly and Jim, Amanda Hicks, and Crystal of Apothecary Tees. We love you, tigers. We do. We have three panthers, and their names are... I am me, I'm okay, which is a hell of a name. I like, I like that it. name. 
Laurel Jade. And Don Taylor. Panthers? Mm-hmm. We love you. Thank you, Panthers. We have three Jaguars. Jaguar. And their names are Lori Phillips, Nolan Hayes, and Justin Stanich. We love our Jaguars. Jaguars. Thank you, Jaguars. And that's it. That is all of our patrons. Yay, patrons. And of course, as always, we thank you for supporting us. Mm -hmm. And this was our first month that for cats, we uh, included our video review. So you can find that up on the Patreon page if you are a cat or above. Mm -hmm. Once a month now, we're uploading video, unedited video reviews of whatever pagan stuff we're interested in that month. So this month it was... Matt Oren's book. Mastering Magic. We were asked today, (laughs) so I just started it, if there was an alternative to Patreon for people who are uncomfortable using Patreon after Patreon laid off most of its security team in September. Because I guess that has caused some security concerns for people, which I understand. Mm -hmm. I don't really share those concerns necessarily. Patreon is effectively just going to be outsourcing its security now, which a lot of major tech companies do. There hasn't been a breach since 2015. Patreon doesn't store your credit card information according to them. So I'm not like intensely worried about Patreon's security personally, but if you are concerned about Patreon's security, which you should always, you know, follow your instincts on that. Always. And any any kind of online transaction carries with it an inherent risk. So always follow your gut on what's safe for you to do. We have started a Ko-Fi for Three Pagans and a Cat. Mm-hmm. So you can get to that at ko-fi, so ko-fi.com slash the number three Pagans and a Cat. And that's going to be currently, that's just going to sort of mirror our Patreon. So you can do one-time donations on Ko-Fi, which you can't do on Patreon. Which is, I think, a really nice It's a nice feature. little feature, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I've mirrored our membership structure over on Ko-Fi. So you can be a coffee cat or a coffee hunter or whatever. And I'm going to migrate, um, mirror all of the exclusive content that's on the Patreon over to the Ko-Fi over time. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, and I'm looking into that because Ko-Fi seems like a really cool platform. Mm-hmm. They don't take nearly as much in fees as Patreon does, and you pay us directly through PayPal, basically. So how Patreon works is you actually pay Patreon, Mm -hmm. and then Patreon disperses that payment to us after they've taken their fees out of it. How Ko-Fi works is that you pay us from PayPal to PayPal directly, basically, Mm -hmm. and Ko-Fi is just like managing your subscription. Mm -hmm. The other thing we found out is that they do have a shop. Yes, so they've they've got a shop option. It's not like a Redbubble, like a print-on-demand shop, it's something where we would have to figure out like physical products to sell and figure out how to stock and store it and, and stuff like that. But you can also sell digital files and things. So we may start using that shop thing. You can do commissions through Ko-Fi. So it looks like a cool little platform. Mm-hmm. We're and just kind of testing it out. Yeah, we're going to be testing it out and, and seeing how it works. And if people like it, we may transition over to using that. Mm-hmm. Either supplemental to the Patreon or instead of the Patreon. I'm not sure. It's going to sort of depend on how things evolve with both platforms. But if you are interested in supporting us and you've been hoping for a a way to do it other than through Patreon, you can now do that at Ko-Fi. Again, that's ko-fi.com slash the number three, Pagans on a Cat. Rhiannon Gray says, now we need a cute name for one-time donators, and they propose Tobeans. Oh, I like it. (laughs) So if you you send us a one-time donation, 
You are a toe bean. <laughs> <laughs> Which are adorable. Mm-hmm. And Rhiannon says, plus double meaning with coffee beans. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's valid. Mm-hmm. It's funny, though. You're going to have to decide. Are you going to call it Ko-Fi or coffee? Because because it's buy me a coffee. No, it's right? not. So buy me a coffee is a separate service. Oh, okay. And Ko-Fi is a different one. Oh, okay, gotcha. So they are two separate services with very similar sounding similar names. Similar sounding names. And gotcha. similar premises. So like the ah. premise of Ko-Fi originally was basically a tip jar ah. of like, buy your favorite creator a coffee. Three buck donation was like the sort of standard tip that mm-hmm. was recommended. Now it's evolved to be a much more comprehensive platform that sort of is in competition with Patreon. Mm-hmm. And so there's still some of that like coffee tip jar language, mm-hmm. but it works much differently now. Okay. And the because there is a buy me a coffee application, it creates confusion with, and so I usually call it Ko-Fi oh, to specify which one I'm talking about. That makes sense. That but makes there's sense. a lot of dispute on the internet about how it's supposed to be pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> but... The nice thing is, it gives you options. So we are housekept and housewept. So we're doing another deep dive. Yes, we are. Because it's been more than a week since the last one. Well. Because for a while there, we're doing them every other week. True. That's true. We have done a couple of things in between. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Yeah. So so I was like, okay, it's time now. We can afford to do another deep dive. (laughs) You just like the deep dives. I like the deep dives. I like researching different deities, even Mm -hmm. if they're not like my specific jam. So we each have two, I believe. Yes. So Gwen, how about you start off? All right. Well, the first uh, deity that I want to talk about is called Mafdet, also known as Mefdet and Maftet. She is a goddess of the first dynasty of Egypt, prominent during the reign of Pharaoh Den, also known as Horden, Duen, and Udimu. And that it, last one is not anything like the preceding one. Nope. The first dynasty is that era immediately following the unification of Upper and Lower Egypt okay. in uh, circa 3150 BCE. So she was often depicted wearing a cheetah skin, or as a cheetah or some kind of feline, Hmm. protecting people from snake and scorpion bites and stings. However, Hmm. she also personifies legal justice and possibly capital punishment. So she's a really interesting deity. She was known to protect the king's chambers and other sacred places and offer protection from venomous animals, which, you know, scorpions and snakes. And they were they were seen as transgressors against Ma'at. Ah. Who Ma'at is the goddess of law, order, justice. Right. We, so, we've talked about the, the mm-hmm. Ma'at concept. And in the pyramid texts of the Old Kingdom, Mafdet is mentioned as protecting Ra, the sun god, from venomous snakes during his daily voyage mm-hmm. as, you know, as the sun. Mm-hmm. And so she was also known as the piercer of darkness because she would hunt at night to ensure the coming of the dawn. This is fascinating because I don't think of cheetahs as being good at anything but being very, very fast. <laughs> well, apparently, you know, this is this is how she was. She was often depicted as a cheetah, but she could be depicted as a feline, mm-hmm. but she was most often seen as a cheetah. Spots. Yep. And um, depictions in royal tombs associated Mufdet with Anubis, suggesting that she accompanies or accompanied the god as a hunter or executioner while Anubis fulfilled his role as messenger or attendant. Okay, but you know why that does make sense? Hmm. 
Cheetahs are extremely nervous and they need therapy dogs. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so Anubis and Mafdet hanging out, keeping each other on the level. That's right. Now, interestingly, in art, she was, as mentioned, most often uh, depicted as a feline or a cheetah. But she could also be depicted as a mongoose. because See, that tracks with the snakes thing. The snakes and things like that. So I don't know if people know this. Mongoose. Are they mongoose or mongooses? I don't know. Mongoosin? <laughs> Mongoosin? I don't know. What's the plural the, of mongoose? The mongoose is. <laughs> it's immune to most snake bites. Mm-hmm. Like, the which, venom does not hurt them. <laughs> which is why it was particularly good for chasing down snakes. Mm-hmm. and Ricky Tiki Tavi. Yes, Ricky Tiki Tavi, one of my favorite stories mm-hmm. when I was growing up. So she would be depicted as a feline or a mongoose, mm-hmm. a woman with a cat or mongoose head, or a mongoose or feline with the head of a woman. Ooh, mm-hmm. reversal. Mm-hmm. And then um, she was also, most often in her feline form, she could be seen depicted as running up the executioner's staff. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And it was said that Mafdet would rip out the heart of wrongdoers and leave them at the feet of Pharaoh. Damn. Just like any other house like a cat. cat. Bringing in their their kill mm-hmm. for, you know. <laughs> like, look, I've brought you a gift. Look, I brought you a gift. And during the New Kingdom, Mafdet was seen as ruling over judge over the Judgment Hall of Duat, where the Pharaoh's enemies were decapitated with Mafdet's claw. Oof. Yep. She fearsome. She fearsome. And there were some really interesting depictions of her in the articles that I read. A really fascinating older deity from the First Dynasty. She's not, not you as know, well known. Not as well known as some of these others, Um, but she clearly, during that time Mm -hmm. period... When she was in prominence. When she was in prominence, particularly during the the reign of that one pharaoh, she was very important Mm -hmm. and and had a a very big role to play, especially when it came to executions Mm -hmm. and and enemies of the pharaoh. I think it's really interesting that, like, her behavior to pharaoh, like, it it clearly mirrors, like, house cat behavior, but in in a much more more like intensified way mm-hmm. that's really interesting to mm-hmm. me yeah well when you think about it you know the pharaoh was the the living god mm-hmm. the ruling you know i mean you could make an argument that egypt was pharaoh's house yeah egypt was pharaoh's and house so she was just keeping out the pests mm-hmm. so anyway i found her fascinating yeah, that's really interesting i like her yeah thank you for introducing me to Mafdet. absolutely <laughs> So I will do one now. So I'm going to talk about Chernobog. Chernobog, Kernobog. Lots of debate about the pronunciation on this one. Chernobog is a Slavic deity question mark. Okay. So the earliest attestation of Chernobog is a 12th century text called the Chronica Slavorum. was written by a missionary, a Christian missionary named Helmold, describing some of the practices of the native Slavs in the particular part of of the Slavic areas that he was sent to. That part of the world had already been Christianized pretty extensively starting in the 10th century. Mm -hmm. So like there were already Christian influences well entrenched in the area. Helmold was there to intensify. To make that, sure everybody towed the uh-huh, line. That, that Christianization process. But so he writes in his chronicle about a festival tradition mm-hmm. of the native Slavs that they would pass around a bowl and they would say what seemed to have been like prayers or some kind of like ritual phrase mm-hmm. about the bowl at festivals, praising 
the good luck coming from a particular god and condemning the bad luck coming from another god. And the only one he names is the bad god, Chernobog, which he says means black god. And he says they also sometimes call this being Diabol. Rhiannon Gray says, isn't that the name of the cool gargoyle dude in Fantasia? It is. Chernobog, that's the earliest attestation we have for this being. And it's from like a secondhand account. It's from a Christian secondhand account of... (laughs) A folk tradition that he witnessed but did not, like, know the origins of Mm -hmm. or interrogate in any way. So that's all we have about Chernobog from the 12th century. So a lot of it could be just hearsay that he picked up while observing this this ritual or this festival. And we don't hear about Chernobog again until the 16th century. Oh, my. When... He's mentioned with a lot more details. We don't know where these details come from Mm -hmm. or if they were made up by the writer. A different writer who pairs him with Belobog and says that that's the good god that Helmod was referring to and that Belobog means white god. Okay. So Belobog is basically, as far as we can tell, wholesale invented to be this unnamed counterpart figure to Chernobog as described by Helmold. So this good, evil... Uh Uh-huh. Dualism. Dualism. And so in the 19th century, drawing from these 12th and 16th century references, 19th century Slavic academia basically concludes purely on the basis of Chernobog and Belobog that Slovakian religious context is like strongly dualistic and sort of constructs a whole Slavic pantheon from what's left of other like other Slavic deities because there mm-hmm. are plenty of other Slavic deities mm-hmm. and sort of just tax Chernobog and Belobog in at the top mm-hmm. as ultimate good and ultimate evil. Okay. And so that becomes from the 19th century through like the early 21st century, the predominant perception of Slavic pagan religion mm-hmm. is that it's dualistic and everything descends down from Chernobog and Belobog. And and so there's, there's a little bit of evidence for Chernobog in particular, a little even less for Belobog. But there's a little bit of evidence in old place names, which you may be familiar with because I've talked about in heathenry. That's one of our sort of academic tests. Like, was this this person worshipped in the ancient world at a particular time? We go back and see, like, well, what's the oldest place name that refers to them? That Mm -hmm. gives us a sense of, like, where they might have been worshipped and how long ago. Right. It's not a foolproof method. And absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. But it's it's one of the markers that w- that we use to sort of delineate between things that were like probably true and things that were maybe later evolutions, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there are some villages in Russia, in Ukraine, in uh, the Czech Republic that have Chernobog as sort of the root of place names, in particular of like villages. I think there's one village in the Czech Republic that has a name that might refer back to Belobog. Mm-hmm. So there's a scattering of those. Mm-hmm. And those villages mostly date back to about the 13th century. So about 100 years after Helmold. Okay. So it's hard to tell how far back that might go, but also it's hard to find villages still in existence much older than that. Right, so right. So it's one of those things. There's a lot of debate currently about Chernobog's authenticity mm-hmm. as an ancient Slavic deity mm-hmm. or as a, even an ancient Slavic like being or spirit. So there are sort of multiple schools of thought. One of the schools of thought is that basically Helmold made it up and invented it with this very distinctive like Christian flavor right. as 
a way to describe to his readers that the Slavs were, you know, devil-worshipping heathens. <laughs> Another interpretation is that Helmold was describing something he legitimately saw but didn't know the local language for, mm-hmm. so he used his language and his, and, and his Christian perspective to reinterpret it, and that that's where the Chernobog name and the Diabol name came from, is that maybe Helmold was witnessing rites to some other deity mm-hmm. and applied his framework to it, and so that's all the evidence we still have of it. There's some theories that Chernobog may have been an extant force, Mm-hmm. but not necessarily being. So there's like a theory based on some linguistics evidence mostly that Chernobog originally meant bad fate and that the passing of the bull and the decrying into it your good and bad luck and all that kind of thing may have been a ritual for managing community luck. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of thing that sort of, it it feels like a tie into Norse practices and sort of modern heathen practices. And we know that there were some links between the Slavs and the Norse and things like that. Some of the gods share very distinctive names and qualities in particular. Mm -hmm. So there's some theories that Chernobog originally was like a a mystical force, maybe to some degree personified, Mm -hmm. that he was witnessing a ritual related to that and that he personified it okay. because as a Christian, he was used to thinking of forces as beings. Right, right. So lots of debate on that front about what Helmold was even reporting specifically mm-hmm. and to what extent it was a god originally. But I think what we have in the modern day is the Yoster problem. Oh, yeah, yeah, So. yeah. So y'all maybe I get, I get you. You may remember Yoster. One reference from the also, Venerable Bede also can be pronounced Esther or, or Yostra Estra. or whatever. Mm-hmm. The the traditional Anglo-Saxon way would be Yoster. Yeah. Bede just describes her as a goddess of the dawn, and yeah. that's it. That's all. That's yeah. all we ever hear about her. Goddess of the dawn. And that's, that's the it. only attestation she has. And I believe that Yoster is now, mm-hmm. whether she was originally or not. Mm-hmm an extant deity. So I think we're now in a, in a place with Chernobog where he has, and to a lesser degree, Belobog. Belobog mm-hmm. isn't as well known. But I think we're now in a place where Chernobog has enough modern folklore about him mm-hmm. to have a presence yeah. as yeah. a as a being. Like Oster. Yeah, like Yoster. Chernobog is usually described as a dark rider upon a dark horse. Belobog is usually described as a bright rider upon a bright horse. They are opposing forces, Mm -hmm. and all we really know about them from the, let's be honest, modern folklore Mm -hmm. is that Belobog is associated with good fortune and Chernobog is associated with bad fortune. Mm -hmm. Anything more than that is inference inference and and speculation and and UPG. So I I think Chernobog is still very young as a deity, even Mm -hmm. though, like like I said, the earliest reference goes back to the 12th century, but hasn't been evolved, Mm -hmm. doesn't have like a a deep mythology to build on. So like Yoster has some new myths that have been written for her. Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to find new myths written for Chernobog. So I would like to see that. I would like to see the Slavic pagans working Mm -hmm. on new myths for Chernobog and new myths for Belobog and Mm -hmm. sort of building those deities up. Because I think 
they, they do exist right now, and they're present in, enough in pop culture, like the, he, he shows up in American Gods from Neil Gaiman. He is in Fantasia, represented mm-hmm. as that big spooky. So it, you remember Fantasia? There's the the mountain. Mm-hmm. and Night on Bald Mountain. Yeah, Night on Bald Mountain, and this this big, like, black-horned, mm-hmm. winged demon mm-hmm. beast uh, emerges. That's supposed to be Chernobog. That's not the devil. That's Chernobog, lacking the horse for some reason. He shows up in a couple of pop culture contexts, but I think he needs new myths. Yeah. And, uh, like, that's not work I can do, <laughs> not at not being a Slavic pagan. Right. I would love to see that work happen. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Chernobog's mythology evolve and expand, because I think that's the only way we're going to find out anything more about Chernobog. I don't mm-hmm. think there's a lot else to discover in the history of Chernobog. I don't right. think there is a lot of history to Chernobog. Mm-hmm. Um, At least not that's remembered. Exactly. Nothing that was written down. Mm-hmm. Nothing that we have access to. Because Chernobog feels interesting. It's really weird. I've never worked with Chernobog. I don't have a connection to, to Slavic pantheons or anything. But Chernobog feels like he exists and is interesting. Mm-hmm. But I've just got no insight on him. Mm-hmm. It's very frustrating. <laughs> so please, Slavic pagans, if you're listening, write stories for Chernobog and send them to me. My email is at <laughs> ode at threepagansandacat.com. <laughs> He was basically invented by accident by a monk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by accident. I, I genuinely yeah. do think it was an accident. I think Helmold witnessed a ritual he didn't understand and just was... heard just enough in the the local language to be confused about it, put it together with what he had in his brain from Christianity, and Chernobog was what he spit out. Yeah. I think it was legitimately an accident, but I think he did like invent a lot of things from just like the soup of his brain. <laughs> Monotheist accidentally creates a deity who lives on for centuries at least. Yes, I think yep. that is, I 100% believe that that is what happened. I think that's what happened with Estra. Uh-huh, yeah. The Venerable Bee did the exactly sa- the mm-hmm. same thing. Thanks to our Tiger Solanox for introducing us to Weavers of the Web, an interfaith pagan ATC, Aquarian Tabernacle Church, organization based in Lansing, Michigan. Weavers of the Web is a public Wiccan church that aims to be family-friendly, supportive, and informative with the goal of ensuring that no one ever need be alone in their spiritual needs. Weavers is currently raising funds for the down payment on a property which would allow them to expand their current network of resources, including dedicated community space, a permanent home for a Pagans in Need pantry, and a lending library. Join them online or in person for regular events, including rituals and discussion groups at weaversoftheweb.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash weaversatc. Hail Dictinus! Good reads. Hail Dictinus. So I just have a short one for my second one. Okay. But I wanted to talk about Hypnos. The Greek god of sleep. Depending on on where you're reading, because I've seen a couple of things, he lives with his brother Thanatos, who is deaf, Mm -hmm. in the underworld, or in Erebos. Play Hades. (laughs) In in a cave where Lethe, or the river, which means uh, forgetfulness, originates. So forgetfulness, it originates basically from Hypnos' cave. Okay. Um... There is no light or sound that enters his space. He enjoys silence. 
The like, man has the blackout curtains. Yeah, he's got the blackout <laughs> curtains. He doesn't want to hear your bongos. Uh-huh. He just, you know, he wants it nice No and nonsense. Quiet. No nonsense. Got this the sleep is, mask. That's right. He's depicted as a young man with wings on his shoulders or coming from his brows. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. He had a horn of sleep-inducing opium or a branch dripping with water from the River Lethe, depending Let's on... Let's go with the river water yep. so we don't get an opioid addiction. <laughs> but um, interestingly, during the Trojan War, Zeus forbade the gods and goddesses from, you know, participating interference. or interference or taking sides, which... <laughs> which did not... We all know how that went. Did not stop any of them. Nope. And uh, Hera actually reached out to Hypnos mm. by promising him him a bride, you know, like, like, you, like do. you do, uh, who was, it was actually Pasithea, goddess of hallucination and relaxation. So for a dude who <laughs> likes a really dark man cave uh-huh. uh, with no sound, uh-huh. she sounds pretty perfect. Uh-huh. Like they yeah. go together pretty well. Um, and so he agreed to help. <laughs> so what Hypnos did was put Zeus to sleep and in, you so know, the gods could get up to their shenanigans well, actually, un, unmolested? Yes. And so basically the Greeks took advantage of this and they won the war. They should have just kept Zeus asleep all the time. Right. That would have saved everyone a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. But yeah, so that's that's what I've got on Hypnos. I, there's not a lot on him. Mm-hmm. I think that idea of forgetfulness is when, you know, when you sleep, you you kind of just go into this place this non-state non-state you know of course we dream yeah but in your dreams you often don't remember who the fuck you are exactly you don't remember who you are or how you got there or sometimes you don't remember your dreams yeah that's also true yeah it's just kind of you can go into this quiet dark he sets the stage for morpheus (laughs) yeah yeah so that's that's hypnos props to hypnos the one time he came out of his cave he did us all solid (laughs) (laughs) yep he likes it quiet. And presumably went right back to bed. Yep. he's He may be a young man, but he's the, you know, <laughs> turn down your stereo. <laughs> he pins a note to your, to your apartment door. That's right. Quiet time starts at quiet. 7 p.m. <laughs> you know, it sounds to me like, you know, if you're having, having trouble sleeping mm-hmm. and, you know. Yeah, vibe with hypnos. Vibe with hypnos. If you, if you need, I should vibe more with hypnos. You know, if you, if you need that kind of solid, mm-hmm. you know, just... Uninterrupted. Blackout curtain, quiet, uninterrupted peace. Mm-hmm. Which is... The I, dreamless I, sleep. That dreamless sleep for a time. Get you some Howlite, get you some Hypnos. Yep. Howlite and Hypnos. Vibes are good. We all need naps. Mm-hmm. All the naps. God of naps. Mm-hmm. All right. Excellent. I like him. So, I have one more deity, and then we'll wrap up. And I'm going to be talking about Klina, and I'm going to spell her name because she's an Irish deity. Oh, Nice. So it is C-L-I-O-D-H-N-A, mm-hmm. if you're looking her up, it's pronounced Klina. So Klina is also known as the Queen of the Banshees. She is one of the Tuatha de Danann, and she is the patron of Cork County because she most of her stories take place in Southern Ireland. So there are a couple of like disparate pieces of information about her, and it's a little difficult sometimes to sort of thread them all together into a coherent story of Kleena. Mm -hmm. So it seems like in the other world, she has these 
three magical birds that belong to her. Mm -hmm. She is a goddess of love and beauty. She's a very beautiful woman. I heard um, a lot of them. She's uh, she's actually described as being the most beautiful Ooh, okay. of the Tuatha Dé Danann, mm -hmm. although several different ones are all described that way. Do, do they have the whole issue with, like, the Greek goddesses? Maybe. Have with a little <laughs> bit of jealousy going on? No, I'm the prettiest. No, I'm, I'm the, the prettiest. prettiest. Yeah. Entirely possible. <laughs> she's uh, a goddess of love and beauty, and she lives in the underworld, and she, she doesn't have any, like, partner. She just is by herself being beautiful and beloved. And, and she has these three... So she's a strong, independent... Strong, independent one. Mm -hmm. And she has these three birds that have such a beautiful song that if you hear it, you fall asleep, and when you wake, all your ailments are healed. Ooh. So they're magical healing birds. I like that. Um, so people sometimes petition her for that, for healing assistance. But she falls in love with a mortal man. Mm. called Kiden. And so she decides to leave the other world and go to the mortal world to live with him. Does she bring her birds? I don't know if she brings her birds. It doesn't say. I would mm. assume so. But so she goes to the mortal world to live with Kiven. Mm -hmm. And one day he goes out like hunting and disappears for a while. And so she goes out looking for him. This does not sound good. Now, she goes out looking for him. And apparently Mananan Maklir has taken offense to her leaving the other world to just live in the mortal world with some mortal man. Uh-oh. Because he plays a song, and so in the she's sort of lured in the same way that her birds cause people to fall asleep. She's lured to the beach, because Mananan is a sea god. Um, she's lured to the beach, and she wades into the water, and gradually the music causes her to go to sleep. Oh, no. And a wave pulls in and drags her off the beach out into the sea, and she drowns. Oh, that's rude. Yeah. So as one of the Tuatha de Danan, she can't, like, die, die. die. Yeah. She still so exists. So she becomes a banshee. Mm. Is she the banshee? The banshee. Queen of the banshees. Mm -hmm. And so the howling of the wind off the coast is her wails lamenting the loss of her love because she can never go back to him. Right. And it's said that every ninth wave is stronger and fiercer than all the others that came before it. And the ninth wave is Kleena's wave, the one that drew oh. her out into the sea and oh. drowned her. Oh, um, sad. Yeah, it's very sad. Kleena's story is very sad. Very and so sad. now she's... <laughs> Raina Grace says, I smell jealousy. Yeah. <laughs> Big question marks about why Mananan decided to do this. Yeah, yeah. I agree with Elle, not Rhiannon. Dick move. Yeah. So Kleena is now like a like a vengeful spirit fairy. Mm. She does have some old connections to specific Irish families. Mm -hmm. So she's associated with the O'Donovans and the O'Learys and the McCarthys. They all have like stories about how she's helped them or is their their ancestor in some way. Mm -hmm. There are a few who are like, I am the descendant of Kleena. There's a, a particular, I think it's an O'Donovan, who's described as Donald the Dragon of Kleena. These families from the Cork area have like strong associations with Kleena. So if you're an O'Donovan, an O'Leary, or a McCarthy, congratulations. There's actually a letter from a John O'Donovan who was an Irish antiquarian in the 19th, early 19th century who wrote that when his grandfather died, Kleena came mm. from her her fort of stones upon the seashore mm -hmm. to lament his death mm -hmm. and that she has not been heard since in in the mortal world, that since her his grandfather died, Kleena has withdrawn. Interesting. <laughs> uh-huh. Interesting. But one of her most famous stories is with Cormac McCarthy, 
So Cormac McCarthy had a castle Mm -hmm. in Ireland. He was in some legal trouble, and he prayed to Clina, because the McCarthys have this association with -hmm. with Clina, and so he prayed to Clina, help me figure this shit out. Yeah. (laughs) And she came to him in a dream the next night and was like, okay, there's a particular rock. See the rock in your dream? Go kiss the rock. If you kiss the rock, I will bless you so that all your legal troubles are resolved to your satisfaction. He wakes up and he says, all right, I got a dream from my patron fairy woman. I'm going to go do it. So he goes and kisses the rock and he goes and resolves all his legal trouble. Is that where the Blarney, That's where the Blarney stone, stone comes to? So he brings that stone back to his castle and he, you know, enshrines it mm-hmm. uh, in the castle of the mm-hmm. McCarthys. And that's where the Blarney Stone is from. It's associated with Kleena. Kleena blessed that stone so that if you kiss it, you get not good luck. But you get specifically the ability to talk your way out of trouble without offending someone. (laughs) Gotcha. So that's what the Blarney Stone is for. And that's where it comes from. It comes from Kleena. Power of Kleena. She is sometimes said to still like sort of haunt the seashore basically. Mm. And lure men to drown in the sea, presumably looking for her, 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 her old lover. lover. But that's Kalina. She, like I said, she's sort of a complex person. She's got mm-hmm. layers. I think it sort of depends on if you get like pre-Mananan Kalina or post-Mananan Kalina, mm-hmm. which Kalina you're dealing with. And like I said, she's connected to a, these specific families from Cork mm-hmm. uh, and Southern Ireland who have her as sort of a patroness of their families. The Finn, Finn said she's also associated with the coffees from whom Finn is descended. So mm-hmm. Finn, maybe hang out with Kleena. Carefully. Uh, I, I <laughs> with heard, caution. I had heard that there was a, a banshee who was specifically connected to certain families. Yeah, that's Kleena. Mm-hmm. Queen Very of the banshees. I think she's considered the queen of the banshees because she was an important goddess of the, of the Tuatha right. before she died. Mm-hmm. And when she died at sea and became a banshee she had like a higher status than the rest of the banshees so she's in charge of them what the fuck man yep (laughs) very very rude Mm -hmm. very she's sort of tragic i think she is and it seems like even because she was just minding her own business yeah and it seems like even her life even the the dangers she presents like luring men to their deaths and things things sort of a siren energy. Even that is a result of the tragic thing that happened to her Mm -hmm. and not like a malicious thing that she's doing. No. And like the banshee wails when someone dies, but like she doesn't cause you to die. She's mourning. Right. Right. Exactly. Elle says banshees have done nothing wrong. Exactly. Yeah. They just, they're a herald and they mourn. Yeah. They get a bad rap. They do get a bad rap. They're spooky, but they're not evil. Exactly. Exactly. (sighs) And so is Kleena. Yeah, they're advanced mourners. Exactly, exactly. yeah. Yep. That's exactly what it is. They, exactly. they come to give you time to get your affairs in order. Yep. Basically. Finn says, she presented herself to me on the beaches of Galveston after my wife's grandmother's funeral. She was there for comfort, oddly enough. Oh, I yeah, believe that, that she would be. Yeah, absolutely. Because... Well, and like I said, before her death, she was a goddess of love and beauty. Mm-hmm. She had these magic birds that healed all illness. Yeah. So she was a she was a good deity before mm-hmm. she died. And I think that that's still the root of her, is mm-hmm. this, this beautiful, kind, healing person. Right, right. And in some ways... I mean, grief is a healing process. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways she's still a healing goddess. She's mm-hmm. just a different kind of healing. Yeah, exactly. Allowing, you know, grief to be expressed. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a way people can't always express themselves. Yeah. Especially because we've talked about this before. Our modern society is very, just, just doesn't approve of sort of loud lamentations. Mm-hmm. And a banshee is all about loud all lamentations. All about loud lamentations. Exactly. Well, right. that was very interesting. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. This was good. This was fun. I enjoyed this. I like doing the deep dives. I know you do. 
I think they're fun. <laughs> I like looking up deities I don't know anything about. So we are going to wrap it up tonight. That's all the things. Uh, you can Google the number three and the words pig and a cat or the number three and the letters P-A-A-C to find out more about us. Mm-hmm. We've got a Patreon. We've got now a Ko-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> We've got... For a while, we still have a red bubble that nobody visits. No one ever buys anything from it. <laughs> um, so I might switch over to using the Ko-Fi shop if that looks like it's going to be useful. I'm not mm-hmm. sure yet because, like I said, it doesn't, seem to, be a, how to make it it doesn't seem to be a print-on-demand thing, so I'm not sure it'll work for the same stuff that Redbubble does. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look into it. We'll look into it. Gwen has a TikTok account. Mm-hmm. And she blogs sometimes on Patheos. Yep. And anything else? The full moon is tomorrow. Which is the day that the day this, that okay, so the, the day that this is the, published, the day you're listening it to, it, it will it, be the f- on on <laughs> the day on which you are listening. There to we us, go. It will be the full moon. Yes. So go outside and look up and enjoy. <laughs> so I think so. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.